0: And I know it mentions it's called Revelation. And uh, one of the reasons being is it depicts what Jesus Christ looks like, clothed in rainbows with lightnings and thunders. and, And with the four beasts about the throne, they're singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. But when he speaks about, I will adore you, there's a singular moment in all creation that's known, the universal time of adoration, where every creature will bow and praise God Almighty. Every creature. And I mean every creature. That means that wicked devil who has made a wreck of our life is going to bow the knee and confess and praise God. Every, cre- every insect, everything that has life and breath will bow and bend and praise and worship. Because that's part of creation. You say, well, how can you believe that? Because I read it. You know, I read it. I believe it. It's right there. I don't have to understand it. <laughs> I just have to believe it. So as we get into this tonight, guys, as a a new year has arrived, uh, we're in the first day, and I, I don't know about you, but now the older you get, it seems like they go faster. I have no idea. My mom, and dad told me that when I was a kid, and I'm not saying I didn't believe it, but I I can remember thinking summertime was just as long as uh, school time, and obviously it wasn't. But as the year has expired, we're in a new year now, and every passing day, every passing week, month, uh, year, guys, we're challenged to look back at what we've accomplished, look back at what we have fulfilled, um, what we've started, and what we've finished. It is a challenge, and truthfully, guys, much of the effect that we have had on and in the lives of others in our world or our our circle in our lifetime, guys. Um, We'll never see. The effect that we have on other people, typically many a times, we're not going to see what effect that was. But guys, when we look at back at the life that we're living, what I, I want us to address is the topic of a legacy. A legacy, uh, um, an idea of living a life worth leaving to others. The legacy that you leave on this earth, the legacy is based on the life that you're living right now. I preached a message I did a while back. Uh, it's one of my wife's favorite sermons that I preach and, and uh, on on a legacy, what a legacy is. And, and uh, so often, many times, we have to think that a legend is born or a legacy is there you know, after a man or a woman dies, and they go on. But it doesn't have to be that way. You create your legacy that you're going to leave on this earth. You're doing that right here, right now, in the life that you're living here today. You know, when we were young, the shadow was ever before us, isn't it? I remember, you ever, you ever watch a dog kind of chase your shadow? It's the funniest thing in the world. They chase, And they'll just do it for, for hours on end. And little kids would chase the shadow around. It's yeah. always before them. And so as a young person, guys, our, our shadow is before, before us. And it's a good illustration of what life is because, you know, the shadows before you. You can see it. It's your life that is in front of you. And, but as you grow older, and just like the angle of that sun, once it gets, you know, directly overhead, virtually there's no shadow at all. We don't even see, see it many a times. But as we grow older, as we walk toward the setting of that sun, it is the shadow that now grows longer. And grows deeper behind us. And oftentimes we can't see it. But others do. Others see the shadow. And that is the life that is worth leaving. My friend, that is your legacy in this world. There is no greater life to examine than the life of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. He lived 33 and a half years. Three and a half years of that was a public ministry. He accomplished more and he affected more people in his lifetime than anybody before or after him ever would. And I understand to look at Jesus and look at him as who he is, and we should. We need to look and understand that Jesus Christ is God, okay? We also need to look at him as to what he did on the cross. We should look at that. We can't, over, we can't overlook that, that what uh, he paid on the cross. So we should look at that. We should look at the burial and the resurrection, So I say tonight that we should look to Jesus as to who and what he is and what he's done for us and who and what he will be to us one day. However, we can steal. I say we not only can, I say we must look at him for what he was. Did you read that song there that says that was and is and is to come? Why do you think that word was is there? The lamb slain as it was before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ lived a earthly life. And he died on a cross. He was. He rose again. He is. He's coming back one day to set his kingdom up. And is to come. You see, guys, we cannot look at Jesus only and solely within the eternal And I say that we need to look at him as to who he was on this earth. If we, ourselves, are going to try to pattern a life that's worth leaving to others. When he lived on this earth, guys, he was the God-man. 100% God. 100% man. You say, preacher, I don't understand it. Again, you don't have to understand it. You just have to believe it. Jesus Christ without controversy live the life on this earth worth leaving for others to follow. A legacy of all legacies. As a matter of fact, the Apostle John writes this in John twenty-one twenty-five. He says, and there are, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if I or if they should be written down, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Oh, Amen. Think about that. Let, let that sink in for a second. Now, we have, a book, we have a book that's made up of 66 individual books called the Bible, perfect and inerrant. We have four Gospels depicting the life of Jesus Christ. We understand that. We see prophetically uh, well over two to 3,000 things uh, uh, about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. We see the future as we get into Revelation. We see the epistles and all of these different things, right? And that only covers a fraction of what he did. Johnson, I suppose the world, couldn't he contain the books? Notice the words that he uses, things, did, words descriptive of actions, words de- detailing a living life, and again, a life worth leaving to others, a legacy. So, bro, but over the next four weeks, throughout the month of January, we're going to present the 2023 vision. legacy, living a life worth leaving. And we're going to do that by evaluating the life of Jesus Christ on this earth. How he does what he did. Why he did what he did. I mean, guys, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, you you may say, well, why do we need to do that? We know the end of the story. We know what happens. Why detail little, small, intricate parts of his life so that we can use it as a pattern? That actually answers itself. Because who he is is what he does. Ah, let that just just ponder on that who Jesus is is what he does. He cannot get away from himself. Jesus Christ cannot act any other way. His life proves his heart. So look in Matthew 9 there from the screen or if you have your Bibles with you tonight. Again, we find here, it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing uh, every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Now, verse 37 we're not going to look at tonight, but, but he says, and Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I say we're not going to look at it. I just, Guys, when I pass people every single day, and I look out throughout Cardiff, and I look out through our cities, and I look out through our country, and I see people buying and passing and driving and going to work, going here, going to the gym, going places, I look at them and I see this verse The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Our prayer needs to be that the Lord would send laborers. into It's His harvest. And that He would send them. Well, this is why we need a Bible. It's why we need a Bible. Mankind typically views... I wrote this on my scripture writing manual that I write in every morning. I wrote what I'm getting ready to read to you. I wrote this down probably six months ago. But mankind typically views the world in the manner as they are. And we do the same thing with God. Consequently, with Jesus as well. Our natural intuition can only give us a God that's like us. Natural, I say. But the God revealed in Scripture deconstructs our intuitive predilections and it startles us with the infinitude of perfection, if you will, which is matched to the infinitude of His meekness, His gentleness and guys indeed his perfection includes his perfect meekness it's an attribute of his life it's an action of his days it's a quality of his character so who is he meekness is his very heart It's his very being. Jesus Christ said himself, and yet we read over this verse a thousand times to no avail. In Matthew chapter 11, and we'll be looking at this in the weeks to come, but he says in verse 29 and 30, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. He says, My burden is light. Let me ask you a question. How's your burden doing today? How's that yoke you're carrying? It beats you down sometimes, doesn't it? It takes you into some dark areas in your mind and in your heart and your thoughts. It just does because it's ours. But his is light. And I don't want to get ahead of myself in a message that I want to preach next week or the week after. But there's a vital reason why his yoke is light. When he says, take my yoke upon you. Personal. The reason it's light, because he's in there carrying it with you. When your burden becomes too heavy, that means you're carrying your own by yourself. I want you to think about that tonight. I want you to think about that in the upcoming weeks. I want you to think about that when you hear that statement of a legacy, a life, living a life worth leaving. Now, brother, we cannot overlook the fact that Jesus Christ's central reason he came to this earth was to seek and to save that which is lost. I, we cannot, we cannot uh, overlook that. Jesus came to this earth for the sole purpose of paying the sin debt of mankind, fulfilling the prophecy of being buried three days and three nights, and the victoriously rising from the grave. We can never forget that. We cannot uh, underemphasize this. The mighty sacrifice and, and, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, who we must never leave off. however, during his life on this earth, during those 33 and a half years, during those three and a half years of his public ministry, we not only find how, and I mean, we, don't, we find what Jesus Christ was, what he's done for us. We see all of these different things. But within his public ministry, guys, we're given a pattern of how to live. How to live. The key to it. My goodness, man, we listen to every podcast and we read every self-help book on how to get just the next great edge, the next step over, how to, how to get over to the next threshold of the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. All the while, we have got a pattern laid before us right now. We have people that will say, Preacher, yeah, but you know what? I'm just doing my own thing and I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And I'm going to ask you this. How well is that working out? Man, if you if, if you have tried it your way and you've done it through your day and you are doing nothing but beating yourself up and always uh, ending up with the short end of the straw and uh, the, the bottom part of the totem pole, whatever the cliche you want to draw in there, and you just find yourself burning down in that yoke, then let's try something new. Let's try a different pattern. Maybe a pattern of meekness. Pattern lowliness. One that has been given to us. And you know what it's going to require? It's going to require living the life that's worth living. leaving. living a life like Jesus Christ. And the first thing you're thinking of was the good life that he lived. I hope that's what you're thinking about. Uh, let me say this to you this evening, guys. And there's a long introduction. I get it. We've got three popcorn points on the back end. We've done. But... Good works are never going to save one soul. There is no work that you're going to do, or no bag of works or bag of tricks that you're going to... It doesn't work with your good outweighing your bad. That's not how salvation works. It's never going to save you. You Understand that? Make that very clear. We are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. You guys heard this in candlelight service. A gift is not a good deal. It is a gift. If it's a good deal, sorry, it's not a gift. So it's not going to save you. But I'm going to tell you this this evening. If you remember anything else, anything of what I say tonight, remember this. Even though good works will not save you, our good works will see others saved. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, watch this, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote 14 epistles. Epistle is a letter. And in those 14 epistles, he mentions the phrase good works 12 times. That's nearly one a letter. And mind you, some of his letters are only... 36 verses long, okay? He mentions good works. He doesn't mention them about salvation. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 2 is very clear where his workmanship created in Christ. When is that? That's status post salvation. That's status post believing on the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So therefore we are created in Christ for what purpose? Good works. Good works. Acts chapter 11 is is a great example of this. The Bible tells us in verse twenty five, then departed Barnabas and Tars- uh, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now you you may or may not have I've preached out of Acts eleven good night probably a thousand times. I love it. I've illustrated the same illustration. I, I get it. But you need to understand that from what you just read, these people were not called Christians because they got saved. Alright? They didn't believe on Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and then somebody stamped Christian on the forehead. That's not how it worked. They were disciples already before the title was given. And mind you, the title was given by the world. Those that were outside the church. Secondly, they were not called Christians because they had some state organization that claimed to be a Christian nation. Thirdly, uh, they were not called Christians because they were members of a local congregation. That was not why they were called Christians. They were called Christians because of the lifestyle they led, Christ-like. You know, people, people are called by what they do, aren't they? All right, we probably don't like to hear it, but a drunkard's called a drunk. Why? Because he's sober? No, because he's a drunk. Right? A fighter is called a fighter because he or she fight. A weightlifter is called a weightlifter because they lift weights. It's that simple, right? Actions, guys, deeds, they reveal our heart. They reveal who we are. And these disciples in Antioch, guys, they were called Christians because they lived like Jesus. No, they didn't go feed the 5,000 miraculously. Now they didn't go raise the dead. They didn't heal people physically. They, they didn't do those things. But what they did do was went about being moved with compassion on others. They realized the greatest gift of salvation and they desired for those around them to have it. Can I say this to you tonight as we go into our points? If you're going to have a legacy, if you're going to live a life worth leaving, guys, It begins with us unpacking the heart of Jesus Christ in our own living. Brother, the life of Jesus Christ on this earth was never about him. Although, if anyone ever had the right to make it about him, I'd say it's the creator of all things. You know, the one who spoke everything into existence. You know, the one, according to Colossians, in him all things consist. The very chairs that you're sat on tonight, uh, the molecules are held together by our creator, Jesus Christ. You may sit back and think that's crazy. I don't think it's crazy at all. If my God is not, if, if Jesus Christ can't do that, then he's not God. The Bible says, in him all things consist. If anyone had the right to make his life about himself, It's the creator of all things. And he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He made his life about others. I I say this. He was others thinking. And in being so, guys, he's given us a pattern to follow. He's given us the ability to have a legacy, living a life worth leaving. First, we find that there's a pattern to follow in our works. I know I mentioned works just a moment ago. And again, I realize good works will not save you, but guys, uh, I, you know, primarily when we're preaching a message such as this, it's not to, it's not an evangelistic sermon. It's not to the lost. It's to those who are already saved. It's to those who are in the church, locked in, and living this life and moving forward. And now we're trying to gather and grow it and, and develop in a way. That we can, we can leave that legacy. So as that shadow grows longer in our days, as we approach that setting sun of our life, so that we can leave something for other people to look at, for them to follow. Verse 35 of our text tells us that Jesus went about all the cities and the villages. You know, Can I say this to you? He was busy. He was doing something. His works were righteous. They were. Oh, he was always thinking about other people, about other souls. He was living a life, guys, worth leaving to the rest of the world. Not only was it his works that we see a pattern for, but we see it in his witness. His witness. Verse 35, the latter part says, and Jesus went about all the cities and the villages. watching this. Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. And I understand it says the gospel of the kingdom. And doctrinally, I understand that's different. But this is what he was doing. He was teaching people. He was preaching to them. Do you know what that tells us today? It tells us that his heart was about people. People needed to be led. They needed to be taught needed to learn. Verse 36 even tells us that when he saw the people, he saw that they were fainted and as they were as sheep, having not a shepherd scattered about all over the place and just wearing themselves out. And guys, our world is not too different today. Recent research, as a matter of fact, from last year, revealed that 51% of our young people feel down, depressed, or hopeless. And you would be utterly amazed at those in your life of how many souls are living in our community today just in utter dismay with the world. Utter dismay with what's going on every single day, just in life in general. And there's many today that experience anxiety over the approval of other people. Uh, the fear of being rejected or made fun of. And uh, and, and here's the deal. I, I understand that the first thing you probably thought of right there was social media. And I get that. Okay, Social media has, I'm sure, certainly exacerbated that idea. But guys, listen. It's always been like that. That phrase, keeping up with the Joneses, that's been around for a long time before social media ever came about. What happens in a coping mechanism is people would take the pendulum... And they'll swing it excessively in the opposite direction, not caring at all, becoming callous and apathetic. And I'll say this to you tonight, guys, that both are equally dangerous. I do care what people think about me. Okay? Positive and negative. But I take on the words of Paul that it's no great thing of me. You know, it's like water off a duck's back. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to live a life callously, not caring what anybody says and walk around with all that bravado. I'm not going to do that living a life in the, in the fear of people's approval guys will constantly cause an individual to second guess everything they do yet living a life of no concern about others it causes you to have no boundaries no limitations no restrictions and it turns the soul into a realm of isolation an area of darkness in the future filled with but nothing but regret. So the reality is, guys, we see every every single day, we see people who are going through things that we have no idea about. We come by, we come across people, where at a coffee shop, the gym, at work, a grocery store, our neighbors uh, who have just lost a loved one, who just had a, a bad breakup, who just got a massive raise at work, the other side of it as well. We see people every single day that are dealing with things in the negative and those who are living the great life and everything in between. And the key tonight is looking into the life of Jesus and and ask ourselves, what did he do when he saw these people? Well, guys, he made himself present. His witness to them was that he made himself present. Do you know 90% of the situations that we deal with in our life, if we'll just be present... In the lives of others, we can have a positive effect on their life. Just being present. You say, well, preacher, I don't know what to say. Sometimes that's good. Don't say anything. Okay? Sometimes just listen. Man, you're, we are fixers. We want to fix things. We want to get the toolbox out. We want to, you know, we want to fix. And the way our wives just want to sometimes talk, man. They're like the canary. They don't care about you cleaning the paper out of the cage. They don't care if you feed and water them. They just want to be heard and let them sing their song. People are like that in our life. Just be present for people. Jesus was present. He went about all the cities and the villages teaching in the synagogue and preaching the gospel. He was there. His heart was exposed in the manner in which he witnessed. his witness went forth within his works. Again, if we go back to what we said in the onset about the Bible. Why do we need a Bible? Because mankind typically views the world in the manner as they are. And and we we do the same thing with God, and therefore we do the same thing with Jesus Christ. Our our natural intuition can can only give us a God like us, yet we're instructed in the pages of Holy Scripture that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that doesn't mean sinless, it means mature, throughly, not thoroughly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We have a book, guys, a perfect book, which describes to us not only what we should do, but how we can do it and how we can keep doing it. And it begins with thinking about others, others thinking. Jesus' connection with was with his people. Matter of fact, Jesus' connection was with people in general. Their lives, their outcome. He was others thinking. We talk about this, and we especially had this in business. And a lot of my mindset work, I I teach people to be forward thinking. And and guys, I'm not backing up on that. Um, We should be forward thinking. But sometimes if we're not careful, we get so forward thinking that we look past the people in the present. We need to be others thinking, present in our life. Our witness and our work. And lastly, we find the pattern set in his walk. And verse 35 ends with saying, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But he goes ahead and says in verse 36 he says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad, a sheep having no shepherd. You know, compassion comes from a Greek, from a, uh, uh, a compound Greek word. The word passion means suffer, all right? You know, I know we like to use that, you know, passion this and passion. Passion means to suffer. That's what what the word means. Having compassion means to co-suffer with someone. He had compassion. He was moved with compassion to suffer with them in his walk. He saw their needs and he helped them. Frankly, guys, he did something. You want to have a legacy? Legacy. You want to live a life worth leaving to others, guys? Jesus was actively living out his heart. His life was about making a difference in the lives of others. And I understand, guys. Again, I I understand primarily we know what's in the eternal. There's no way that we can get to the eternal without getting through the present. That's what we have to think about. You want your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your family, your mom, your dad, you want them to be saved and born again? Well, you better not wait until you die. You talk to them now, in the present, in this life, right here, right now. You live the life that will cast a shadow on them, that will line up with the words that you say. That is what the difference is made. The present life we're living, day in and day out, in between the struggles and the successes of our days, What we do not only defines us, guys, but it is who and what we are. So, what I want to say this to you tonight as I work to close. Our life is a canvas. That's what it is. It's a canvas. It's a piece of artwork that we decorate, we paint, and we even delineate every single day. Some days the colors are bright and vibrant and colorful and beautiful. And other days they're dark, gray, and outright dismal. But nevertheless, the canvas is still being worked on. We we are still a work in progress. And as we reach through the the hours and the minutes of our day, each stroke of the brush, each outline of the pencil, continues to reveal who we are. That's our life. For Jesus' life was meant to bless others. Ultimately, he would pay uh, pay for the sins of mankind. He would rise victoriously from the grave, removing the sting of death. And he did this to give us eternal life, to reconcile us unto the Father, if we will only believe and will trust, depend, and have faith in his gift. But afterwards, we are to become his workmanship, to carry on in this world. Which, guys, which can be rather difficult at times. I'll be the first one to tell you. I've had some dark days in my life that will make the hair on the back of your neck stand up but it's part of my canvas. It's been colored over. It's been penciled. It's still there. But it has shaped who I am. There is no doubt what happens to us daily can and does present us every single day the opportunities for us to work, to witness, and to walk as Jesus did. How did he do that? The Bible says who, who went about doing good, for God was with him. You say, preacher, how simple? That's simple. I'm not talking about healing people. I'm not talking about raising the dead. I'm just talking about doing something good, a legacy. So, guys, as our shadow grows longer and it moves behind us with every step, what will be your legacy? Will your life, or will you live a life today, worth leaving to others tomorrow? That's the question. And that's phase one of 2023 vision. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time, opportunity to be here tonight. We pray that we can look at the life of the Son of God, the risen Savior in Jesus Christ, and the time that he spent here on this earth. And that we could use it as a beautiful pattern for our life as well. That we may do so with the intentions and purpose of bringing glory, honor, and praise to you and you alone. But that we would do so as well to make a difference in the lives, both eternally and temporally, of those that are around us. So, Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you so much for day one, Father, of uh, 2023. We pray that should you tarry your coming, and Lord, if you would give us the next uh, 364 days that we would live it to our best ability to have an effect on those that are around us, to have a legacy, to live a life worth leaving. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Well, I do hope and pray that preaching and teaching of the Word of God was a blessing to you.